I've got um, a little confession. So I, I, over the last two years, plus one more a while back, I've been studying theology. So, and I really enjoy like, looking at the context of the verse. And so a lot of the time we hear that passage, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper to you. And you hear that when people are giving you encouragement, don't they? And you kind of hear that and you go, yes, he's got a plan for me. Um, but if you read more into it and you read back a few verses, you can see who that verse is for and what it's about. So we're going to delve deeper. I'm going to go back a bit to verse 5, um, verse 4 and 5 in that passage. So if you've got your Bibles, it would be great if you could turn with me to it because then you can kind of read it with me. So this passage was written at the time when Israel um, were in Babylonian exile. Um, and it was meant, um, they, that what that means, does anyone know what be, being in exile means? They were sent away from their homeland, weren't they? So the Babylonians had conquered them in war and had the Israelites under Babylonian rule now. So they weren't allowed to be in charge of their own things. Babylonians were now in charge of them because they had defeated them. And so what that meant was that the Israelites couldn't follow Jesus, couldn't follow God in the way that they were used to. They couldn't go worship in their temples. They couldn't go and pray like they normally do. Because in those days, the Babylonians and um, other kings like that who were not um, following God thought that there were many gods, God of thunder, God of, the, of, of um, fertility, etc., etc. And these gods um, ruled everything. And the king was almost on their behalf, could talk to the gods and appease the gods for them. So the king was really important. And so if you were praying to someone else and not the king, that was a no-no. And so can anyone else think of stories in the Bible that might have been under Babylonian rule? Daniel, yes, Daniel in the lion's den. Who knows that story? I know Toby knows that story, don't you? Daniel in the lion's den. Yes, that, that is Daniel wanted to pray to God and he wasn't allowed to. He had, there was a law passed that he could only pray to King Darius. And so then he got thrown into the lion's den because he didn't listen to that because he wanted to still pray to God. There's another story, Esther. Do you remember the story of Esther in the Bible? And she had to, she married the king to be able to save the Israelite people from being killed. So there's lots of things, and that was also under Babylonian rule. So this is a lot, big, quite a big chunk of the Bible. Um, so let's read verse 5 to 7 together and find out um, what this passage is about. So verse 5 of 29. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray for the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. So what do you think God is telling the people of Israel to do there? Don't give up. Don't give up, yeah? Anything else? You're going to be there for a while, yes. (laughs) Anything else? Trusting God, yeah. Make the best of your situation, yeah. So what God is actually also telling them, if you see here, he's saying, uh, let me read that verse again. 
that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. Does that ring any bells from another passage in the Bible? It does, doesn't it? Back in the beginning, in Genesis, God said, multiply and fill the earth. And here again, he's saying, multiply. He's telling them to be free in exile, but be free. He is commanding them to do what they weren't allowed to do under the Babylonian rule. And that word again, to multiply, to fill the earth, he's telling them to go. Go and do it. Fill the earth with my people. And that was quite, would have been quite weird for them to hear because they were in exile. They were under Babylonian rule where they weren't allowed to do that. Let's read verse 8 and 9 then. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie, and they are prophesying to you in the na- my name, and I did not send them, says the Lord. So what is God warning them against here? False prophets, yeah. He's warning them against false prophets. He's saying, don't trust anyone but me. Trust God alone. Trust God's word alone. And when you're in a place where you're being ruled by Babylonians and they're all in charge of you, you kind of start to hear things and you go, oh yeah, that's normal now. And so things like praying to the king would have started to sound normal to them because they'd been there for so long, but that's not what God wanted them to listen to. So let's go to verse 10, which I gave me a bit of a puzzle and I had to really look into verse 10 to find out really what it meant it says for thus says the Lord only when Babylonians 70 years are complete will I visit you and I will fulfill, fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place what on earth does that mean <laughs> any guesses <laughs> only when the 70 years is complete then I will come and visit you that sounds a bit harsh doesn't it at first reading When I was reading it, I kind of thought, well, sometimes in the Bible when you're reading it, numbers mean something different to a literal number. And so I looked into that a bit to see whether that might be something in this passage. Uh, And kind of looking, the number seven normally represents perfection. So seven days of creation, perfection. Um, And ten represents completeness and God's law. So kind of... 70 in a way could represent perfect spiritual order but it could also symbolize a period of judgment and so you can kind of read this in two different ways it's actually when that period of judgment is complete then I will visit you or when that perfect spiritual order is balanced I will come visit you it kind of I'm not sure I'll leave it up to you to decide what you think about that but this time, I think the point being is this time in exile isn't really 70 years. It's not the 70 years that we would live through. But it's a 70 years to complete that period of time. 70 years. And it's a period of time that God will fulfill his promises to the Israelites in. So whether that's a spiritual judgment is complete, whether it's um, spiritual order is complete, when that time is complete, they will God will come and visit them and bring them home. So then let's go to the last bit, which is 11 to 14, um, which brings us to the end of the passage there, before we talk about, about it a bit more. Verse 11, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not to harm you, to give you a future with hope. 
Then when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, I will, you will find me. If you seek me with your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore you fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So these verses, God is reminding the Israelites that he has a plan for them. He has a plan, don't worry. And it isn't a plan that will harm them like the Babylonian rule has. It's a plan that is good. Where they will be able to choose God and they'll be able to pray to God openly and they'll be able to worship God like they are used to. They will be able to speak to God again like they are used to and they will be home. So I'd like us to kind of With all of that in mind, have a think together corporately about how that then fits into our lives now. How can we take this passage that was written clearly for the Israelites in that Babylonian time, and how can we take that verse, that very popular verse, for surely I know the plans I have for you, and take that into our lives today? So I want you to do this with children, with adults, with people around you. And kind of think about these questions together and see what each other think about them. So the questions, I'll read them out here and then you can kind of remind yourselves on the paper as well. The main point being that you see God hasn't changed from then until now. And so there must be something in there for us. That's my hope. So the first question I want you to think about is, do you ever think things aren't working out the way you thought they would? I think we all have moments like that. What do you do when you feel disappointed? Do you believe God has big plans for you? What do you think it means to have hope in God's plan? And how do you search for God? (laughs) It's interesting having those conversations, isn't it, after reading that passage together. You kind of hear a bit about other people's struggles and disappointments um, and the way that they cope with those. Um, interestingly, Richard and I chatting, and um, for me, I, I'm a very short-tempered person, so I, I can resort to kind of anger and frustration very quickly, whereas Richard said, well, actually, he just takes it as it comes and like, takes the waves as they hit him. Um, and it's, it's interesting how different people deal with those situations differently. But should we... Um, pray together now so thank you lord that you know us so deeply that you have a plan for each of us even if we can't see it even if we get frustrated because it's not what we wanted lord just like you had a plan for israel thank you that you have a plan for us help us to have hope even when we can't see the path ahead and help us to trust you and keep our eyes on you amen amen